yada, yada, yada. Trap chalk that's concrete, Jimmy trying to repeat Sit back, relax, and just let Nick kick the facts Most of these cats just stay believing in the stats Rasta damn spooky, take offense like Tucci Coming for the moolie, on your bennies couldn't push me Rebuilding your peak, grab a beer or some tree Elite XVI pod, too intense for the beat And welcome back to the Elite Fantasy Podcast I'm your host, Nick Mazzetti Joined with me today is two-time Elite 16 champion, Michael Broadbent. How's it going, Mike? It's going good. Finally had a little bit of real sports things happening this weekend for the first time in about two months. Got a lot to talk about here in trades and stuff, the league as well, so excited to be here. It was surreal, right? Um, It's it's crazy. I feel like guys like us, we really look forward to the league more than most people, and um, that compounded with this starvation of sport content and then being able to watch something um sport related again it was it was like it was probably the most memorable memorable draft um I, i've ever had um but it was yeah it was, dude it was awesome to actually just like bullshit about sports again right yeah it was awesome uh we've i can't tell you how many reruns of different sporting events i've seen on the ESPN and Fox. Like <laughs> yeah. every, everybody seems to be showing some kind of like memorable sporting event. And it's nice to get a real live new thing. <laughs> yeah. And like people are like dissecting Michael Jordan's legacy. Like it's like a new story. Like this is like, we're, we're, we're combing through the archives right now. That's, that's how desperate we are. Yeah. Um, but well, it's, it's crazy yeah. to think that people who are even five years younger than us probably never saw Michael Jordan play on TV. Yeah, I, most of us probably just know him from Space Jam, to be honest, and not even the actual um, NBA player. I, I know I, I didn't follow basketball uh, until Michael was already, well, I think he was playing for the Wizards back then. Uh, yeah, yep, he played two years for the Wizards. Crazy, crazy. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it, it's, it's great to be, you know, back to some, some kind of semblance of normalcy and, um, and, you know, we can actually move forward with, with some of our league stuff. Um, it's also been cool because... I know right now we've been in sort of a lull where, uh, you know, guys are guys are attached to their players and their assets, and there really haven't been a lot of trades all off seasons. And then all of a sudden the draft happens, everyone kind of, you know, gets loosened up a little bit, um, and there's there's definitely more more action to happen now that now that the the uh, drafts in the books. Definitely, uh, I think we saw that uh, actually yesterday, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Pretty wild, right? Pretty wild. Yep. Actually, you know what? I guess um, now would would be just a, a, as good a time as ever to jump into it. So yesterday we had a pretty pretty large um, large scale transaction in our league. Man, this was this was a bona fide blockbuster, and uh, it it really came out of nowhere. Like there was no there were no rumblings. There were there were no rumors. It, it, there, no one was on a trade block. It was just all of a sudden one of the most impactful dynasty assets in our league was was changed hands you know it was it was surprising it was surprising but christian had been quietly shopping that number one pick all off season i i think he was honestly trying to get a more of a shotgun approach to the draft rather than sit on the top and uh he has never been afraid of trading up for that elite asset last year or two years ago they did it with obj i believe um they did it with new copkins they always seem to have a lot of draft assets, so might as well make them work and get a guaranteed thing. 
they're they're spending their money and you know i guess before we get too deep just to recap to those who may not have been plugged into their emails or their updates uh the trade that we're talking about was between uh christian onibene and uh chris thurston where uh the onibene brothers traded away the first overall pick in the 2020 rookie draft and matt ryan who i think matt ryan was on a one-year deal now um for the rights to Patrick Mahomes, the uh, about as good as you can get quarterback, pro- uh, not prospect, uh, franchise player, right? Yeah. Uh, so he is on, Matt Ryan is on a one, but Patrick Mahomes, can't really think of any quarterback I'd rather have than him. Uh, well, uh, all I can say is uh, don't get too attached. Uh, you know, I think. Anytime that, that you build your whole life around one particular franchise quarterback, you never know what can happen. Uh, there could be uh, some kind of impromptu retirement. And <laughs> you could be uh, spiraling down on your uh, wedding anniversary and your wife is asking why you're crying instead of taking her out to dinner. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, there, there are more important things in life than Patrick Mahomes. And just remember that just as, as someone who, who once forgot that message, I just I have to tell everyone um, that it, it's, it's, it's not all about your franchise quarterback. Think things, things will be all right. Who are you talking about, Nick? It sounds like you have somebody in mind. Uh, no, no one in particular. <laughs> yeah. It's funny for, 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 for as much as, as, as I really pine about Andrew Luck and the love loss and how he was like the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Like he's literally done nothing for me. Like yeah. I, I, I've never won a championship with Andrew Luck. All he's done is just like embarrass me in front of my friends. I mean, I thought he was a great player. And like Jacoby Brissett has put money in my pocket. Like Jacob Jacoby Brissett single handedly just handed me a ten thousand dollar check. Like that's yeah. something that actually happened. And it, you you think that. that I like that would be the 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 the, the former I guess soon to be former Colts player that I'd be pining for. But yeah, I guess really. You know, maybe this has been like some kind of therapy session. I feel a lot better now that I got this off my chest. I think you haven't really had a good chance to talk about it, Nick. And I'm glad that you're feeling open enough to talk about it with me. You know, maybe it's been this quarantining process that has kind of forced everyone to take a step, uh, take a step back, you know, do some do some introspection. And yeah, man, I feel a lot better now. That's great. Wow. Awesome. I'm glad we can make some breakthroughs <laughs> here outside of the league talk. Uh, everyone who's listening to this probably has a tear in their eye right now. But uh, I think but, there are a few other trades that were made since the last time we had a podcast. Right? You know, uh, for, real, real quick, I just want to go back to, to the uh, to the Mahomes trade for a sec because sure. really, uh, what does it mean for both these teams? Uh, so for, I mean, Christian and and I, I don't know if if older brothers involved anymore. Leo, I know his name, but I just thought it was funny you call him older brother. But yeah. uh, Christian will, obviously is all in. Uh, Leo still team. hasn't accepted his fan tracks invitation from last year. Okay, uh, so we'll assume he's out. So we'll get him. <laughs> I mean, he's like, you know, he's like, he's a part of the process, but he's not like in the war room. You know what I mean? Like, Christian doesn't have to kiss the ring anymore. He doesn't kiss. Yeah, yeah. I think Leo's, Leo's on conference calls, but he's not like actually, he doesn't show up to work anymore. Yeah, so I think for them, uh, just a further all in push, you didn't think they had more to push all in with, but obviously they did. Um, I think their general philosophy is uh, spend when you can get the best one or two guys in the league. Otherwise, just try and squeeze every drop of blood out of a stone that you possibly can in trying to make a trade. Uh, This kind of falls suit with that. For Thurston, I think this is a great long-term move for him. Uh, Patrick Mahomes clearly 
wasn't going to single-handedly bring him into contention. I think having that number one pick, whether he packages it in a trade to get more picks or if he actually makes it, will give him a better long-term outlook, at least in like an asset standpoint. Uh, I think is his personal outlook for next year has definitely taken a hit. I don't think he'll nearly be as pro- productive or not productive as uh, competitive without Patrick Mahomes. Cause that was always like a 50 burger that could possibly hit at any time. Yeah, it, it significantly elevated his floor every week. Yep. And so I don't think there's, I think the best fit for him is probably a wide receiver. So I don't think there's any guy that's going to give him any sort of real wide receiver one production in the draft potentially down the line maybe, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you, you look at Christian's team and it's difficult to, um, to really find a weakness on it, which is, is really, you know, everyone else is in the league, like we're going to have our hands full, but you know, part of me wonders like, was there a lesson to be learned last year when they went spend happy and all these players that they spent significant draft capital in acquiring, um, more or less disappointed, right? Um, and yeah. I, I kind of think they may be getting away from what, what got, what, like where their success came came from. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're no longer trusting the process. They're making these these luxury decisions. And I was talking to Steve earlier, and it kind of reminds me of what the Chiefs did. Of like, you know, I, I think anytime that that you're a champion or a championship type team, and you start taking luxury decisions, you start getting away from what got you there instead of reinforcing the foundations of like just continuing to build on the things that matter and then replacing things that don't. Uh, now, I mean, honestly, I would have done the trade too. I'm not saying this is a bad trade, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's a bad trade, but I just think if you take a step back and you look at just kind of philosophically what they've been doing, have the purchases really panned out for them or are they just buying players at their most expensive point and then getting, you know, three quarters on the dollar in production for them. I think that's more or less what's going on. Uh, They're, they're buying the, the floor of their team really. Like obviously they have a high ceiling as well, but uh, I think while their team on paper is is very, very good. um, I don't think they're a shoe in for the title. Like they have a very good team, but New Hopkins is a new situation. OBJ is in year two of Cleveland. Year one of Cleveland was arguably his worst season as a pro. They have Kenyon Drake on a one-year deal. They have year two of Josh Jacobs, who is in his second year as a true bell cow role. Um, they don't have a whole lot of depth, honestly. They have Mike Williams. Uh, they got rid of uh, their number two tight end, I believe, right? They, they have Mark Andrews, and who did they have? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I know they have Mark Andrews. Um, I think they traded away Jack Doyle um, last have. year. But yeah, I mean, they have a very, like uh, I, I think also like if you if you look at what, what they're going to do with the the auction, like you can pretty much put Austin Eckler on the team right now. So you're talking about three running backs, um, like at the at the very least, and then who knows what you get from guys. But I mean, I'm 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 over that, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to put that in as them never starting him unless something really goes bad. Uh, I think I 100% agree that they're going to go 100% of their cap on a running back. I'd assume it'd be Eckler, but I think the other option there could possibly be Chris Carson. 
Yeah, if, th- there is no option, and the reason why is because if you follow Christian on Twitter, it's at uh, Chris Dynasty, C R I S Dynasty. Uh, mm-hmm. You can pretty much see what he's going to do in the league because he talks about it. And anytime you hear you hear him like talk about like, oh, I just did this in a sixteen team league for this, like he's talking about mm-hmm. he traded away Mark Ingram for Austin Eckler. Like he's putting that out to like random strangers in like Idaho. So like <laughs> you don't have to like read between the lines and like, oh, I wonder what he's going to do. You just like go online and like he'll tell you what he's going to do. Um, that's true. So yeah, that's and, it's, and another it's thing. Eckler, is- so. <laughs> I think we saw Juju possibly having some weakness last year as the number one wide receiver on a team with an aging Ben Roethlisberger, and also he wasn't even on the team for most of the year. I I don't think his team is without flaws, is all I'm trying to say. Like He has a very good team on paper, but obviously we saw how they could fall apart. Yeah, I mean, it's it's no Eastern Legends, but it's a good team in its own right. Yeah, no. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you could read between the lines. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, and then moving back further from that, we had, what, was it the Devontae Parker trade with Jack? Uh, I think so. Or I think yeah. the, the – like, we kind of touched on it, but I think the um, the George trade happened before that. George and Christian, Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So let me, let me pull that up. Um, oh, yeah. So George uh, – no, actually, I mean, they were three days apart, I think. Uh, okay. But so – George and Christian, they traded. George traded the top waiver priority to Christian for, I don't know, where were they? Were they around 10 or 12 or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, and Christian gave up uh, Deion Jones, who is a very good linebacker, but you know, linebackers can be, can be pretty replaceable in a league like this. And mm-hmm. Mark Ingram. Now, this is a trade that I don't think would have happened after the draft. Now that Ingram's... Um, fantasy stock took a took a significant hit with the drafting of J.K. Dobbins in the second round. Um, yep. Now I understand philosophically from George's point of view, like if if George had so many needs that he was never going to blow his load on one one player anyway, then trading down makes sense, right? Because you're basically selling something that you're not going to use. But yeah, could he have gotten more? Could he have gotten a better deal if he said if he actually said to other people, "I'm trading away the first waiver pick. Austin Eckler's out there." Um, or would he get, would he have gotten more if he just threw a hundred dollars at Austin Eckler, got him himself, and then traded that for other pieces? Like, you know, it's. I th- I think there isn't a scenario that you laid out that he wouldn't have gotten more with. I think yeah. if he waited closer to the auction, he could have gotten more. As people kind of, because there's certain things that if you pay really close attention, you can see from a mile away that are going to happen. And then yeah. there's certain things that people wait until a week before they look at the the players and they go, Oh, this guy's in free agency. This guy's in free agency. I'd really like him. And I'm not going to say people's names in the league who are like that, Henry, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they're out there. And yeah. so sometimes you got to wait for the people to come to you. And other times like, you need to for, actively. For Henry, like it, we could be two hours before the draft. And then he could text me and he'd be like, uh, so where can I find a list of all the players in the draft? I'm like, this is <laughs> part of our league. This is like, there's a button that says players. You just click on that button. Like that's been there for months. Yeah. That's available <laughs> to everyone. We're, we're not hiding that as moderators. Yeah. That's there. You can yeah. use it. You know, and also to that point, sometimes like, I feel like I'm being snooty, but I'm really not. Like if someone asks me where something is, like, I, I send them, I try to send them a link or a screenshot of where it is because like, I want people to become self-sufficient 
it really mm-hmm. doesn't bother me to like to look stuff up people are like show, to get to help out like that's what i'm here for i'm a commissioner it's my role to help people out but i also like it, it i'm definitely a big fan of like teach a man to fish instead of give a man to fish you know what i mean like yep. I, I want people to be able to find the answers on their own because uh, you might not be able to answer the next time they text you so exactly i may be dead you never yeah, know maybe dead but okay and then so outside of that deal uh, we have Jack and and uh, our reigning champ Jimmy Icavone made a deal. Uh, I did. So th- th- this is wild. You know, this is it's actually your 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 former player Devontae Parker. Uh, Jack traded <sighs> yeah. for Devontae Parker. He traded away the 14th pick this year, an early two, an early three, and a second round next year. And he got Devontae Parker. And then Jimmy also took Deshaun Kaiser's contract on, on his hands. What are your thoughts on Devontae Parker as someone who is followed him from day one. <laughs> so here's the rough thing with Devontae Parker. Uh, I gave him four years to sh- show anything. And I think in year four, he had a pretty decent season. Uh, I'm sorry, it was year five, I think. No, year four. So he had a pretty decent season, especially to close out the year. And I was kind of in the mindset where he's basically done hardly anything for the first three years. Year four, he somewhat had a breakout. I need to get some value for him before I basically lose him to free agency next year because I didn't plan on resigning him. So I traded him to Jimmy. And of course, he has easily his best year of his entire career as a top 10 wide receiver. I always thought he was talented. It was just, mm-hmm. is he motivated to actually become a professional? And can he stay healthy? Which is kind of go hand in hand because training... And like at some point, it also seemed like, I mean, Adam Gase is just a train wreck uh, for fantasy value for any player and and there, there there's there's really been countless um stories of players that weren't successful under adam gase and then he left and then they went up to, to blossom in other situations and i think yep. that could be part of it yep. um but yeah i mean it's like do you remember what you got for Devontae parker at the time because i was right I, I was in your corner i thought i thought he was done i thought that i thought he was i thought that you saw everything you were gonna see out of him he got his opportunity and he was gonna fade into obscurity um, I don't remember the exact terms, but I I know he was part of a package to get picks. I believe me and Jimmy made a deal. Um, I will look that up though because I want to know just so we yeah. have a reference here. Um, but it was similar, I believe. Me and Jimmy made a trade when I had Martavis Bryant a few years ago, where I traded him Martavis Bryant and some other asset for a pick that ended up being Cortland Sutton. Yeah, and. I know I mean, Cortland Sutton's the real deal. Yeah. Um, Although that's such an interesting, I mean, I'll, I'll try to wait. You know, there's, there's, there's so much meat on the bone right now. It's, you really got to pace yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but the real bitch of it is that Jimmy ended up having Devontae Parker down the stretch run and he beat me in the playoffs and then ended up winning a title with, with Devontae Parker yeah. Um, okay, well, so the deal last don't year. Don't feel too bad. Uh, Misery loves company. He also beat me in the playoffs with Devontae Parker and Brashad Perriman, who was a very similar situation of where he was, my, you know, he he was he was under under my control at one point, and then he went up beating me with my own arm. Yep. So the deal was Tom Brady, Devontae Parker, and Kamari Ken on a two year deal for a 2021 third, a 2021 third, a 2022 second, and a 2022 second. In a 2022 third. So three thirds and a two. Um, yeah. yeah, not not the best situation, but. Now, you know, like back to, to Jack and Jimmy's, you know, current situation on the, on the Devontae Parker um, deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel about 
spending and you know Jack Jack gave up not an insignificant amount of draft capital to acquire Devontae Parker. Now I know Jimmy signed him to a five year deal prior mm-hmm. to, for, prior to the trade, but a twenty seven year old wide receiver mm-hmm. with one year of proven production like normally you know a, a guy that's twenty seven that you're buying you're like they you know. They're no spring chicken anymore. They're entering, you know, they're entering their prime. You know, the, the, you know, they're they're not going to play for another, you know, seven years or, or eight years. Um, but so, like, he's a guy that's kind of getting up there. He's still not old, but he's, you know, uh, but he doesn't have that long, long history of of uh, like to actually look back on and say, okay, this guy is an asset. He he could be a one year wonder. At 27 years old, that's a very late breakout. Mm-hmm. So, I think if you watch, if I was to show you a, a highlight tape of Devonte Parker's best plays, you would assume that he's a top 10 receiver every year, and he has made a ton of splash plays and I'll put them all together last year. So, I think the trade for Jack made sense in two ways. One, he surprisingly has a decent amount of talent now. Um, you does. wouldn't have, you wouldn't have thought that just from like hearing Jack's team's name just the last few years, but he's got a lot of good talent and he has, I believe, I think he had close to 10 picks in this draft prior to this trade. So he had picks. Let me get his team up. He had picks six, 12, 14, 15, 17, 18, and a couple others, I believe. And he traded three of those. So he still has six, 12, 15, 27, 29, 30. You can only sign so many trips, so many uh, picks in a deal in a tr- any off season, so I don't mind it from that sense. It really comes down to like how how good do you think this player is? If you think he is more what he was last year than what he was the first four years, then the deal makes sense. Yeah. So uh, for for Jack's team, I completely agree with you that um, that he's farther along than he's given credit for. And you know, I actually I think this is a pretty fair deal. I actually do like it for Jack. My question is now that now that we've seen the draft play out. Mm-hmm. And let's just let's look at this as one asset, right? I mean, Jimmy got more than that, but let's just look at the one and mm-hmm. start there. Do you think that at the fourteenth fourteenth pick in this draft that you can get a better player than Devontae Parker? Uh, probably not. Probably not, right? So at the very least, you can say that he's worth more than the fifteen, and yep. then it's really just a question of uh, uh, worth more than the fourteen, and it's just a question of um, what other assets on top of that is is he worth? Deshaun Kaiser going, you know, and losing that contract that balances, you know, third round pick off it. So mm-hmm. it's really, if if he overpaid, I don't know if he did, but if he overpaid, he overpaid by a second round pick, and you know, who cares? Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think overall it, it's it's a good deal. I like it for for both of them. I think it's, I think it is interesting to see see Jimmy win the league, and then trade away one player that he rode to get there. And I don't know what that means other than maybe Jimmy didn't have a lot of draft capital and he wanted to kind of diversify a little bit, or maybe Jimmy just didn't believe on Devontae Parker. Well, here's another thing. Jimmy might be the least equipped of any team that's ever won the title to repeat. I, I, I'm not super bullish on Jimmy's team. Give it yeah. one next year. I think that's fair. Um, I think that when you look at his team, he's got an aging quarterback. He, I think he was riding, um, uh, what, who um, he rode Brashad Perryman to a title. I want to say Brashad Perryman yeah, in the playoff run Brashad once scored Perryman. seven touchdowns. It was insane. Um, the uh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Kareem Hunt, right? 
Yeah, he had Kareem so Hunt. He's got a, a a team's RB two as his RB two, right? Um, Zeke is obviously the real deal. And, yep. you, know, you can't really complain there, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I think you're definitely on to something. I think we've probably seen the last of Jimmy's title aspirations for a year or so. Um, yep. And I think it was it took a lot of not guts, but it took a lot of honesty from Jimmy's part to realize, hey, last year kind of was fluky for me. I won a title. That was awesome. But I really have to make moves this offseason that's going to put me in a position to flourish in a couple years, maybe not next year. You got no one to hold them and no one to fold them. Exactly. I think uh, think Jimmy got out while the getting's good. Congratulations Mm -hmm. to him. Um, All right. Well, now I'd like to take a brief moment uh, for a word from our sponsors. Ooh. Good evening. I'm Nick Mazzetti, and here's what's making news. A potential scandal with the Buffalo PD surfaced today when the mayor, Debao Debit, Sorry about that. In other news, the Prime Minister of Sweden visited Washington today, and my tiny little nipples went to France. The White House Reception Committee greeted the Prime Rib Roast Minister, and I do da cha cha like a sissy girl. I like a do da cha cha. I'm I'm sorry, we seem to be having some technical difficulties. In other news, oh oh my apologies. Blah 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 Message Beamer Benz if you're interested in anyone on his team. Fire sale. Jesus Christ, you made me say that. And welcome back. Thank you for that that lovely message. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to everyone's reaction there. All right, so now we're going to play a little game that was tossed to us. I believe this was from Jake Otara. Uh, you know, last month after our first podcast back, uh, it was great um, to get something on the books, but there was a lot of feedback. Um, and Jake had the idea of doing a word association game. And I think that's a great idea, especially for a, a, a two-man episode. Um, so I am going to uh, toss a team over to Broadbent, and I want him to tell me the first word that comes to his mind. And if it's interesting, then I'll kind of let him pull on that thread a little bit. All right, you ready to play? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. Cool. So uh, the first team is two giant losses. Triple Ds. Triple Ds. Now, is that uh, denial, desperation, and dishonesty, or is that like breast size? That's breast size, but I like that interpretation (laughs) as well. Uh, They are stacked. They have a great offensive team. Uh, they've got some good defensive players. I think, like Triple Ds, typically there's not much personality behind it, which is kind of <laughs> also <laughs> where they're at. They're a very shallow team as well. Yeah. They don't really have much in terms of too, too uh, much areola. It. Too yeah, much areola. Too, a lot of areola on uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, okay, cool. So we got the Ds out of the way. Uh, Embers to Inferno. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that that one. Embers to Inferno, Steve Ferrari. Embers to Inferno. Uh, That, I would say, slow build. He's slowly been getting himself back to a respectable level. 
he's got some good players. He's hit on some guys in the draft, missed on others. I think he's really going to need to hit on 10 and 21 and 26 this year. I don't see him as a playoff team, but I would say rebuilding is my word. How do you feel about Nikhil Harry? Are you still buying Harry or do you think? Oh, I, I think that's a tragedy, honestly, because I think he's think a good player, but I would I would be selling Nikhil pretty hard this offseason. If you could sell him, I, I mean, I'm not sure what his what his value looks like. I think, are you, honestly, are you talking about getting like the, the 14th pick, 15th pick for him? Like, I You honestly have to hold him as someone who bought him with the number two pick. But if I was just in a situation where there was no attachment to him whatsoever, I just happened to pick up an orphan team. I would look for probably, I would take the 12th pick. Yeah. Here's a quick question. All right. Let's say if you could freeze frame how you felt about Nikhil Harry at this point last year. Mm -hmm. And as a prospect prior to his draft position, as a prospect right after he got drafted, right. Mm -hmm. At this point last year. And then you, you freeze frame how you feel about the wider series in this draft and you try Try your best to to get what you know of what what's happened so far out of your head. Okay, where would Nikhil Harry fall with within this year's uh, wide receiver crop? And we're still attaching Tom Brady to him. Um, yeah, Nikhil Harry in last year's situation just freeze frame that moment versus all the wide receivers drafted this year in this particular moment. Okay, uh, so I'd still want Judy and Lamb over him pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd take Rager over him. Um, then it starts to tighten up. Uh, it would be a tough pick between T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Justin Jefferson, Henry Ruggs, and Nikhil Harry. I think they would fall in the I, same kind of group. I think he's very much like Michael Pittman, even as a prospect, is pretty similar similar to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of like draft capital, it's pretty close. Situation, yep. it's pretty. Yeah, I think that that is like right there. But so you're talking about wide receiver six territory for this year, roughly around there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and that really just just drives home like how different each draft is. It, it's 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 an apples to oranges thing. The seventh pick in one year is not worth the seventh pick in the in the next year. Absolutely, um, it's all it's all relative. Um, all right, cool. Thank you for that. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, now uh, the Academians. Hope. <laughs> <laughs> like like Barack Obama poster hope or yes, like exactly. actual bona fide hope because. Last offseason, I think we all probably just looked at at Jack's team and wondered how something so great went to shit so quick. Yeah. But he has made a lot of really good deals. He's waited guys out. Uh, he almost made a deal trading Amari Cooper before last year's trade deadline, which made his outlook a lot worse. But he's, he held on. Uh, that A.J. Brown deal, I'm sorry. because Dude, he, 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 he raked me. He raked me over the coals. Um he really took advantage of how desperate I was to mm-hmm. reclaim the season. Cause man, that Andrew Luck retirement sent my team in a tailspin and I, and I yeah. couldn't replace it. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, it's a shame cause I really liked AJ Brown too. Um, but whatever. I like my team now. Good for Jack. Happy for Jack. But to say a couple more words, he's got a couple guys under the radar that are on his bench that you wouldn't see over the fold. Uh, he's got, uh, Nicole Hardman. He's got Deontay Johnson. He's got all, just those two. He's but, got all the sneaky, productive first year wide, or, or I guess sophomore wide receivers now. Like yep. Deontay Johnson is a guy that you should be buying in dynasty leagues. Nicole Hardman is a guy that you should be buying in dynasty leagues. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, he kind of went shotgun method at wide receiver last year and it paid off for him. 
Yep. Um, hopefully those guys take another step forward. But yeah, you're 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 right. He's he's got he's got uh, intriguing depth and some uh, some yeah some interesting names. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, Beamer Benz. What do you got for me? ARP. A ARP old all of them. Yeah. Even Carson Wentz though. He's so his team has been in Gurley's young. His his team's been in a state of decay for several years now from a logistical and also a personnel standpoint. And he I think we've all seen it, but he has kind of just stood on the train tracks and watched the train come at him. And I think this is the year he finally gets run over, honestly. Uh, he was chirp <laughs> he was chirping about a fire sale. Yeah, and what happened with that? I don't know. It's it's always a fire sale. It's coming. It's coming. This may be the year it actually comes because, um, you know, it, it seems like AJ Green has always been the tempo setter for what he's going to do in terms of competing. And mm-hmm. um, but then you also saw, you know, Todd Gurley get some second life and go into an ideal situation with significant investment from the uh, the Atlanta Falcons. So, and then also like Melvin Gordon got a. It seems like he's going to have the starting job in in uh, LA it's like you know he might be like you know one last ride getting too old for this Riggs yeah so the funny the the funny thing so Henry's had the number one seed in the playoffs like had the best record in the entire league three of the six years that we've had this league going believe it or not it's it's hard to believe and he's never won a playoff game he's never won a playoff game I think it's a, a combination of mismanagement and just bad luck, but you got to wonder when he actually steps in and just makes some big deals. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we're we're going to find out a lot about the future of the Beamer Benz franchise this year, um, one way or another. Yep. Uh, all right. Next up, we got the Cal Tip and Dwarfs, Jeff Olson. This to me feels like. A juggling experiment gone wrong. Word association. I need one word. Hit me. Uh, First thing that comes to your mind. Confusion. Confusion. Is that you're confusing or you think he's confused? I think it's he's got this situation where he's he's always trying to like gear up for a title run, but at the same time, he doesn't have the horses to get him across the finish line either. He's got some good players, but there just isn't ever enough to for his aspirations. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's a negotiating tactic or if he's truly like, um, if there's like a, some kind of cognitive dissonance with like what his team actually, but he's just like, he's so confident that all of his guys are amazing mm-hmm. and like they could be cut that morning and he'd be like, Oh, he's just looking for better opportunities. He's going to be a starter wherever, wherever he get, wherever he signs. Like he's very Trumpian. Yeah. 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 It's like, he's always <laughs> like, he will never admit any kind of defeat or failure he's, he's like that 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 the uh the uh, monty python guy that's like tis but a scratch he's got like all of his limbs are cut off he's like no i'm still good i'll get you mm-hmm. but yeah i i i love i love dj Moore, and that's one asset that he's got that i think is uh, a tremendous building piece but it's weird because he's significantly invested in that denver broncos backfield and he's like you know i'm just gonna monopolize the whole backfield you know i'll get everyone and you know mm-hmm. i don't guarantee i have someone and then um and then they go and sign melvin gordon so that's gone uh, well that's that's the second time in a few years that screwed an elite member up uh i think jack right jack yeah jack traded for Denver Broncos, too, right? Yeah, it was the Broncos, and that ended up with you getting who? The, uh, Derek Henry. Yeah, the the and NFL, Cooper Cup and Cooper Cup. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, well, no, so it, it was it was Derrick Henry, and then a pick that became Cooper Cup. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, it's there's something about them Denver Broncos, man. Just like don't invest in those running backs because uh, they will throw you for a loop. Yep. Uh, all right. Next up, we've got the Monstars, Chris Thurston. Hmm. This is post Mahomes. Post Mahomes. That's, post that's, Mahomes would be a good team. That'd be a great <laughs> team name for him. It should be. Post Mahomes. <laughs> Uh, this one's tough because I want to reuse hope, but I, I don't think it's fitting. More nope. But this is this is honestly the first time I think he's honestly had some real reason to be hopeful about his team. If he's got the number one pick, if he hits on that number one pick. There's a spark this year is what you're there's saying. There's a spark, yes. Yeah. yeah. Is it going to blow up the powder keg room? I don't know. But he's got reason to be hopeful. I think it's, it's weird though because, you know, he's got the number one pick and – you you could theoretically turn turn like move the pick down and turn it into multiple multiple assets. I think this is an interesting year though, where it is a pretty flat tier of yeah. where you look at the draft and it's like all the guys that were like great great prospects all mm-hmm. went to like mess situations, and then all the guys all the guys that were like really good prospects went to amazing situations. So like you could almost take anyone at number one. So like does that. Does that diminish the value of the number one pick? I think that's why Christian ultimately traded it. Because I think that the value wasn't there for that pick this year based on where the other picks in the draft are. Yeah, and I think he kind of saw that coming into it. But when it was realized with actually getting picked, I think he kind of realized it was time to cut bait now. Yeah, yeah, and, and I guess that that that's what makes me surprised that Christ, uh, uh, Thurston would agree to that deal after the draft. Because it's like, did you... Did you see something from the draft at 101 that made you make the deal? Because when I talked to him, it didn't seem like he he had a guy in mind at 101. You know, he's leaning in a couple of different ways, a couple of different options. But I think anytime you trade away a guy like Pat Mahomes, you mm-hmm. need to have a plan for what you're going to replace him with. Um, mm-hmm. And it seemed like it was just like, oh, well, we'll let the dust, dust settle and then the cream will rise by draft time. Maybe it'll work mm-hmm. out, but it seemed yeah. like... You know, if if I'm trading Pat Mahomes, like I need to have a pretty damn good idea of what I'm getting in return. Yep, I 100% agree. All right. Uh, next up, we got Tanquan for Saquon. He's got Saquon <laughs> and he's still Tanquan. In. This has got to be disappointment. Um, I think there's been a series of trades and players he's targeted and acquired that have quickly fallen off uh, between Jameis Winston. Now not having a team, Mitchell Trubisky going from being a pro bowler somehow in 2018 to possibly losing his job this year. You have Carryon Johnson possibly being, getting replaced in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, Gesicki and James Washington not breaking out yet. Same with I th- I think, Samuel. I, think I would argue Gesicki broke out last year to an extent. To, towards the end of the year, he had a few good games, but you know he still was not a starter, fantasy viable uh, type guy. I think, honestly, and it's something that Dom sent an email about, he probably needs to trade Saquon Barkley to have any sort of real projection for uh, any sort of competition. What does the market look like for Saquon Barkley? It's not great. It's really not great. I'm I'm out on him. Not because he's not amazing. He's amazing. But, like, I'm not going to throw four first-round picks on a running back, even one that's Saquon Barkley. No, and, and just to finish up on the picks, he's got two thirds in 2022, and that's it. Yeah. So 
he's got nothing really that could replenish his team and he has a lot of holes. Saquon missing a lot of time last year kind of showed that he's, you know, running back and he can get hurt at any point and he's not on the best offense in the NFL. And I I know I've talked to you about this for like several years now that he probably should have traded Saquon and it's, you know, it sucks. And some of those trades compounded that like with the, um, he traded for Adam Thielen and got traded two thir- first round picks, and then he traded him this offseason again. Like he's he, got or, no, he didn't trade. Sorry. Oh, and you know, like I guess Boyd t- t- took a took a pretty decent hit this week too when they drafted uh, T. Higgins. Yeah. Uh, although, I mean, I, I still think that it's going to be the Boyd and Higgins show. Like, sure. Know, I, I think it's more like a moving on from AJ Green type thing, but yeah, I Plus think the right. situation has improved a lot. So that's that's yeah. probably a. A net neutral watch. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Watch. Um, do you think he goes after a guy like Gardner Minshew in the auction? Like he needs some form of a starter to play a quarterback, right? Maybe Teddy Bridgewater is that a guy that's available? I mean, there's no good option. He's probably going to land a quarterback that he has to start, and I say has to start because you're not going to get excited for Gardner Minshew or Teddy Bridgewater. I, I, if I was him, I wouldn't spend a lot on a quarterback in the in the auction, even if you have to you know, put a, an offensive player there. Like don't mm-hmm. overspend there because you have a lot of needs and you need to just go with the best player available every if, time. If you were Dom, would you gut Saquon for picks some this year, but then at least one, it looks like a, you know, somewhere around like a fringe playoff team, you know, let's yeah, say eighth overall next year. So you could take Trevor Lawrence. I wouldn't necessarily or target would, Trevor Lawrence. Go. Yeah. Because every year there's always a couple teams that completely crap the bed you don't expect to, and there's a couple teams that over overstep where they should in terms of playoff ranking. So I wouldn't necessarily target a guy, but I would be fine with taking a guy like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields next year if I were them. Absolutely. So you would have Justin Fields as your quarterback two next year? Yeah, definitely. I think they're going to go one one and two next year in some order as long as neither of them gets hurt. In the NFL draft, right? Yeah. Yep. Cool. All right. Next up, we've got Point Breeze Football Club, uh, formerly Mike Tucci, currently Alan Gage and Mike Tucci. Yeah, I would say transition. Um, I don't fully know what they're trying to do. A lot of players on their roster probably aren't going to be in the NFL or in their current situations much longer. I say that's most of their roster, honestly. Other than George Kittle, like, can you really point to somebody on their team that you expect to be a top 10 player at their position in two years? Uh, in two years, I mean, maybe if Julio is just like indestructible, um, yeah. but definitely not Le'Veon Bell, definitely not James Conner. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think you're right. The only way you can say is like maybe Preston Williams develops, but um, and that's that's a reach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like he was impressive, but like he was. You, I, he still has the character concerns. It's not like they're they're gone. Like he's not just like he wasn't just a piece of shit, and then was a first round talent that fell, and then mm. like he had a good good first year in the NFL. So now he's not a piece of shit anymore. Like you still have those lingering concerns that like this is a guy that could get into the type of suspension trouble or law trouble that would erupt his value at a, at any moment. So like, yeah. is that a guy that you're gonna? going to bank a franchise on or you know i I think it's the the kind of thing where like 
you know, Josh Gordon. Now, Josh Gordon was smoking weed. Like, who the hell cares? Especially now that the NFL lacks all that stuff. But, like, you know, when you look at it at the landscape of what it was, it was a risk and it was a time bomb. But he was so successful that everyone was like, this is the number one dynasty asset. But then he just never, never wanted playing football again, you know? Yep. Um, so I, I think, I think for me, philosophically, whenever I have a guy who would be a character risk that produces, as soon as they produce, you forget about the character. Like it's just gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, that's just like the best time to sell, like sell to anyone who will give you anything close to market price and then, you know, have them, you know, have them be the one holding the hot potato when it, when it goes off. Absolutely. You never want to be the last one with that. <laughs> yep, exactly. I'd rather trade a, trade away a guy a year early than a year late. Uh, yeah, next up, Bill Belichick. <laughs> I think it's Bill. Yeah, yeah. Bill Belichick, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. Uh, <laughs> next up, we've got the Doodle Bobs. That's Andrew uh, Litton. I'm gonna say sneaky. Yeah, I would use the same word too. It's so funny you say that. Yeah. So he's got a good team. Uh, you wouldn't necessarily have wanted to buy all his players before last year, but he had a lot of guys break out. Uh, he's got surprising depth, and he's got the number four pick in this draft. Who's going to be a, a good prospect? I want to say good player. That's but a, good a great time to pick in this draft too, because mm-hmm. you can get really a really good difference maker, uh, like a guy who would go maybe number two in some other drafts. You know, like. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. this is really kind of a draft where you can, it, since it is such a flat tier, you can draft for need, not necessarily based on best player. Like if you really need a running back, you have a stacked wide receiver core. You don't necessarily need to draft a wide receiver. Sure. If you wanted to go with J.K. Dobbins or J- Jonathan Taylor, or DeAndre Swift, uh, the same way you can go Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb. Like he's got, he's going to have an elite option. Or, or even Clyde Edwards Hilaire has entered that conversation being the first running back off the board, the only one with the first round pedigree and in one of the best situations in the league uh, playing yep. for Andy Reid in Kansas City. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, so he's he's in a great spot, especially if guys even take small steps forward going forward, like Terry McLaurin. I think that's kind of the X factor for him. And Debo Samuel as well. Debo Samuel as well. Yep. Yeah, he's got. Um, yeah, he, he. For some reason, he's always able to squeeze production out of places that you know he never has like like amazing draft capital. He's never picked number one or anything like that. But mm-hmm. you know, he's he's always he's always adding talent to, to his team. Yep. All right. Next up, we got Muddy Joe, Jake Kotara. Close. Close. Yeah, I think he his team is close to being very good. Oh. Um, so last year uh, with how his team performed and then kind of fell off, but he's got the number two pick this year. He could package that for more picks. He could trade for a high upside or a high floor, not high floor, just a high quality player. He's got a lot of options. I think if you plug in a guy, he's got to go receiver, I think. But if you plug in a really high quality wide receiver to this team, I think it's pretty close to being a competitor competitor. So I have a question and um, on, on this team particular, so you have a guy like Pat Mahomes who is a very rare, gifted passer. But, I mean, he is a passing quarterback, right? He, I mean, you know, he can extend plays with his legs, but he's not going to run for 1,000 yards in, in a season. Mm-hmm. Um, so that portends to a more traditional, um, like, quarterback career. A guy like Lamar Jackson who is, you know, every bit the fantasy dynamo that Pat Mahomes is and every bit the difference maker is that style of being a running quarterback, a dual threat quarterback, you know, it doesn't traditionally doesn't hold up well over time. We're looking at Cam Newton still doesn't have a job um, because like, you know, if, if you are, let's say 
three quarters of a good passer and three quarters of a good running back together as one player, man, that's 150% of a football player. That's amazing. That's, that's, a, that's a huge value. Um, but when the legs go and all you're, di- all you're left with is 75% of a passer, all of a sudden you're not, you're not the difference maker that you were. Teams can't play against you the way that you were. This is a long-winded way of me saying, does building your franchise around Lamar Jackson change the urgency with which you have to operate a dynasty team? Yes. Uh, I also agree that with your general premise that Lamar Jackson is probably a guy I'd want to sell high on this offseason. Because he's probably never going to have a year that good again. Uh, I mean, he had 1,200 rushing yards and seven touchdowns rushing. So they already said this offseason, and he said it himself, that he doesn't expect to run nearly as much next year. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at a lowered floor. He's he's a decent passer. I think he got kind of knocked for his passing abilities at Louisville, and I think he showed a lot of skill as a passer. And I mm-hmm. think he only improved in the NFL. But you're not going to see the the passing uh, production increase as much as the rushing production is going to decrease. I think that's a, that's a great, um, great point there of like, cause it's really all about balance, right? You know, if, if he wasn't a good passer at all, you wouldn't have seen that production last year. Uh, yep. But, it, but it's the balance of that rushing threat and that rushing production with the passing threat and passing production. They work hand in hand, right? He's able to get more rushing yards because he can throw. He's able to get more passing yards because he, because he can run. But once you start diminishing one, how does it diminish the other, right? Yep. Exactly. And so if I think rushing touchdowns are kind of fluky. So let's say he retains seven rushing touchdowns and rushes for 700 yards next year. Mm-hmm. That's like the equivalent of having to ru- throw for like an additional, how many yards would you say? Like, because that's 50 fantasy points. Uh, and how many yards would that be? Yeah. Shoot, you're really uh, all right. So let's say 100, 100 yards is four points. Mm-hmm. So four times, and what is it, fifty? Yeah, that'd be another like two thousand passing yards. Yeah, five hundred rushing yards. <laughs> I'd have to really do the math on it. Yeah, my brain's uh, fried. <laughs> but it's, I think you're looking at probably his best statistical season uh, as a. Fantasy quarterback last year. Also, like in fairness, I could say that about anyone who who has any kind of like, you know, all time production. Like, oh, we've probably seen the best of it. Like, yeah, all right. If someone catches 120 yard, uh, 120 receptions, even if they're like 22 years old, I'm like, we've probably seen the best of this player. Because, like, how do you improve on such monumental production? Um, yeah, but yeah. All right. Next up, we've got Hess trucks. Uh, <laughs> rearview mirror is where I would say. Uh, I think he had a very small window this year to have a competitive team. Mm-hmm. Everybody who is a fringe breakout player broke out for him, and there's really nothing to replenish his team. He's got three thirds is his entire draft cash going forward. Uh, he traded basically all his good picks last year for David Johnson, who didn't really play. In fairness, but I don't see how he's going to have a much better outlook going forward. Um, <laughs> he's going to be the number one back in Houston, but at the same time, he does have injury history. Well, so, so Hess has three wide receivers, right? Yep. Of significant value. He's got Tyler, Tyler Lockett, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin. Yep. Dak Prescott has an insane amount of weapons right now after they just drafted CeeDee Lamb, right? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so his tight end, I think, is Evan Ingram. a little bit to be wanted. Evan Ingram, who can't stay healthy. But, you know, if David Johnson can put together one season, it looks like Houston, they're expecting him to be the starter, right? So, like, there's an opportunity yep. there. But then you also have Matt Breida, who just got traded to Miami. Miami has nobody in the backfield that scares me at all. Like, you know, is this a is this an elite backfield that I would bank on? No. But he's got some outs. He's kind of like chasing a like an open ended straight on the river, you know. Yeah. No, I'm not saying he's got no chance, but I think yeah. his his opportunity disappeared with a stat correction last year to win a title. Yeah, that meant you know, my heart <laughs> because like, you know, you do want things to be correct, but at some point, like it is a game and like yeah. it's such a bad way to lose that it take it it, it really saps a lot of the fun out of it. Um, it does. It's like, you know, you want to know who won and lost when it's over. You don't want to like lose sleep on a Wednesday night because you're checking your stack corrections every five minutes, you know? Um, yeah. It's, yeah. It's I remember we, so three of the four first round playoff outcomes were within a point, I believe. Mm-hmm. And me and you did like a deep dive on like when <laughs> fan yeah, track. Traditionally one time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> it was between, I want to say it was between, you know, 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesdays, they did all their stat corrections and we were like live. The stat guy leaves his house. He leave, he leaves the, the garage door open so, so his son can, can go out on the on the bicycle. He stops at Dunkin' Donuts to pick up a coffee. He drops mm-hmm. off his dry cleaners. He does two hours of stat correcting and then he goes and he take, takes a, uh, a 15 minute shit and it comes back into the rest of the <laughs> before lunch. Like uh, we, we had this guy's whole itinerary down. It was down to his science and it actually wound up falling right within that window that we were expecting to. So we kind of yep. knew when it was over. Um, but yeah, man, that <laughs> it was, that brutal. was brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Um, but, yeah. No, I mean, I, I think, all right. What would you do if you were Hess, right? If you were Hess and you're trying to reclaim some, some extension of replenishing talent in this team is, is it all about free agency, the free agent auction, or do you trade one of your more valuable, but expendable assets, like a Darius Leonard type guy? I think you have to look into trading some of your more valuable assets. I'd look into trading Chris Godwin. I'd look into trading Tyler Lockett, look into trading Darius Leonard because after next, after this upcoming season, especially since he's got to re-sign David Johnson. Like that's a big decision on how long you want to sign him for a deal. Yeah. You're kind of fucked. Honestly, yep. like he's not going to have anything to replenish his team. Sort of like Dom. So he's going to have to ride this out. He's got to get stuff in the barn that he can rely on going forward. He needs some, he needs some draft capital and so he doesn't have any. So you would take Chris Godwin and you would, you would try to, to cut that into pieces, right? You would try to Absolutely. It wouldn't be one for one to be Chris Godwin for a guy you hope could become Chris Godwin and maybe another guy you could hope could be Chris Godwin down the road. Like you're talking about like multiple first round draft picks and maybe a, like a, a, a interesting player. Yeah, no, I I would be looking to chop it up into a lot of high ops upside options yep. and future options, exactly like we were saying. So maybe like just to kind of match make here, somebody like Andrew. So like Terry McLaurin, Debo Samuel, and for like a twenty twenty two first or something. Yep. Not not necessarily that deal, but something like that. Yep, absolutely. I think that's that's very fair. 
All right. Uh, next up, we've got new team, new dream. George Price. This is tough. Um, bipolar disorder. Bipolar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Because he just he seems to get it sometimes, and he seems to have absolutely no idea what he's doing. Others, uh, some of the deals he makes or tries to make baffles your mind and others are like wow that was actually really good value um he's got to just decide <laughs> tries to make, yeah i i noticed that <laughs> yeah uh i honestly hated the, the 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 deal for the waiver priority as well because yeah. knowing what he could have gotten at that pick he could have traded away for more especially if signed to a five-year deal uh but he's learning he's got to just figure out how this whole league works and I'm hopeful for him, but he's got to just take his time and consult people and go to other people to try and get the best possible deal for him. Yeah, I think that's good. Go with the think, first impulse. I think that's a good point, and I think it, uh, you know, it's difficult because you know you're in a league that's a competitive league, right? You know, you're <laughs> we're all against each other. You know, it's fun; it's all something we do to each other, but like we are trying to 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 do better than the, than the next guy. So. You know, I, I can understand that, that it can be difficult to trust other people in your league when, uh, like, for advice, when, you know, there's ulterior motives and, and other people are, you know, they, they may not necessarily want to see you succeed. But I think I, I've noticed that for some reason in a league like this, like, if you ask a guy for advice, like, I, I've, I've never felt like I've asked someone for advice and they've given me what... Um, what was just like advan- like advantageous to the league. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like for some reason, like in this particular league, maybe it's just because like guys are bored that like they just want to actually like talk about things. But like you're generally going to get someone's honest opinion if you ask them. Um, yep. So I think that, yeah, I think you're right. I think that asking another guy, especially like, you know, as neutral of a third party as you can, like someone who's not, has no skin in the game on your trade. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, like I, I actually advised Jack to trade for Devonta Parker when we were talking about it. And like, that hurts me. Like I have Jack's first round pick next year. Like I, I don't want Jack to do well, but like, you know, someone, someone asks you for help, like, you know, or advice or just tied to bounce ideas off of like, you'd be a shithead if you just like, you know, said, Oh no, I think that you should just ride your team into the dirt. Yeah. And also at the same time, like if you're asking one person, you're probably asking multiple. And if somebody gives you wildly different advice than the others, you realize, oh, this guy's an asshole. Like, yeah, yeah. Him. It'd be pretty easy to, to weed out who's who's trying to fuck you over. Yeah, um, and we've all met each other multiple times. I feel like it's not the same as just like random people on Yahoo leagues. Like, That's a good point. Um, So, all right. Maybe he can squeeze a year to Mark Ingram. He's got Tariq Cohen. Alan Rapp. Yeah, I mean, Honestly, his best course of action is anybody with any value over the next year or two, just flip for the most you can get for him. Like, yeah. there's going to be guys who have like a crazy situation doing an injury, trade him midseason, get a first round pick for even two years away. You yeah. need to basically do the Christian method of anytime anybody has value in your team, rake people over the coals for the most you can get for him. Because yeah. that's the I, only way he's getting out of this hole he's in. I think that's fair. I'd probably cut bait on Matt Stafford as soon as he had promising play in 2020. Like, because mm-hmm. it's just, you know, maybe he's fun, but like anytime a guy starts to have back issues, I'm like, I'm out. Like that's just, yep. I'm done. Um, you know, like Tony Romo retired for back back issues and he was still playing at a high level. Like, 
you know, yep. that, that stuff is, it's, it doesn't, doesn't go away overnight. It does not. <laughs> All right. Next up, we, we've got four more. We'll try to chew through. So we've, so we've got some time to, to, to chirp still. Um, spit on Jitneys, Mike Planko. I'd say inflection point. Uh, he's kind of at a fork in the road with this team. He kind of got unlucky last year with a few guys. He found a way to be competitive. This draft is really an inflection point for him as well. He really needs to hit on these draft picks or yeah. trade for assets that can help him in the immediate and in the long term. Um, I, I think he, I think he was expecting to really restock the cupboards last year in the draft and. Um, I think that he kind of whiffed on almost every pick that he made last year. And yeah, that's really happened to him a few times him. now. Yeah, he had yeah, that one right. draft where he got Doriel Green Beckham, he got Brashad uh, Perriman, I think. Rashad Perriman, yeah. and he got a tight end. He got what's his name, Max Williams. Yeah, another guy. Um, bad yeah, luck he, in the draft because he, honestly, the draft is a lot of luck. Like we could all act like we know what we're fucking talking about, but. Sometimes you just hit on a guy and, you know, you were high on him, but that doesn't necessarily mean you would take him number one. Yeah. I, you know, it's so funny. You mentioned Max Williams and that, that reminds me of a lot of conversations I have, I have with Jack where, you know, basically I think this is like the worst tight end class ever. And even like Cole Komet <laughs> goes in the second round, I'm like, sure. But that's like a Max Williams type type deal. Yeah. We're like, yep. you know, well, is he a second round pick? But probably because like, <laughs> there was literally no one and like, he probably should have been like a third rounder that like got drafted only because there was like literally no one. And I even think that like he didn't get drafted because he's like a, you know, this crazy receiving threat. Like he, like he can catch a football, which is great, but like, he's not going to do anything after he catches it. Like he'll catch it and fall down. Like, um, he's a, he, like, he projects as like a, like a decent blocker. Like, it's, he's, he's also got to compete with the six other tight ends that are going to be on the field at the same yeah, time. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I like I just look at look at this class of like I think that there isn't gonna be a single fantasy relevant tight end that comes out of this draft. And it reminds me so much of the year when Max Williams came out because there wasn't a single one that year too. It was like Clive Walford and just like a bunch of other scrubs. Yeah, no, I agree. Um all right, next up, tenacious tea baggers. First word that comes to your mind. I'll let you take this one. Okay. Ooh, first one. Um smug. 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 <laughs> okay. Smug. And, you know, uh, gotta, because, um, you know, you're, you're very opinionated, which mm-hmm. is great because you generally know what you're talking about. Um, and, you know, you're usually right. And mm-hmm. let's say you're right 65% of the time. Mm-hmm. That 60 to 65% of the time uh, that you're right, you, you definitely are, are keenly aware of it. And I think that sometimes when some future things may be like open, you know, like crystal ball, who knows what happens? I think, I think you can get a little smug. We're like, no, there's a 0% chance that that's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. What would yeah. you say? So it, it's, it's funny. It's definitely the pot, pot calling the kettle black. Cause I know that I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> top, top two smug in the league. Easy, easy top two smug. But like if it's top two, it's both of us. It's me and you. Uh, so I think in a sense, like we're both in a very similar situation where we've kind of like got our teams constructed in a way that we both like and trading would only kind of lose value in our eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of agree with you there. Um, I've had some bad luck with certain guys, had some good luck with certain guys. Um, 
Yeah, you know, like your team was very surprising because I kind of wrote you off as a rebuilder and mm-hmm. you were able to rebuild very quickly. It was, I, I think your team reminded me a lot of Steve's, but like you were successful with it. And mm-hmm. then, um, I mean, not to take a, a shot at Steve, but like, yeah. you know, Corlin Sutton became your guy like last year. That's like in year two of a player he's all of a sudden like he's the real deal um Mm. you got darren waller pennies from heaven out of nowhere like i didn't really understand how that happened um julian edelman came back i thought he was kind of done and he was he was successful um mixon is has been putting it together i mean he's he's got a three down roll there uh Mm. a a little um a little scary and dude you got rob gronkowski back and that's like it's just unfair because like that, that is just like, that's just a dead contract that's gone. And like, you should have taken like the cap hit on him before, but you've like held yeah. on every year. I mean, he was 29. I wasn't going to cut him and just pay money. Like I honestly, like I didn't think he was done. Like I thought there was a higher chance that he played again than he didn't. That's why I didn't cut him or else I would have cut him. I cut Calvin Johnson. Yeah. So, I didn't think he was ever going to play again. So he, here's the question. We were talking before about, um, about, uh, what was uh, Devontae Parker, right? Of where mm-hmm. a wide receiver you drafted, you loved, thought the world of him, you gave him time, disappoint, time, disappoint, time, disappoint, and you trade him away. You know where I'm going here? Uh, on my team? Yeah, what's going to happen with Corey Davis? Corey Davis, I feel like I just got to wait till he gets traded, honestly. So, like so, they, so you think he's going to be successful, but just not for the Tennessee Titans? Uh... I, I mean, I, I'm not a clairvoyant. I don't know. I think he's shown enough promise where it's kind of confusing as to why he's not performing better. Like his second year, I mean, he had almost 900 yards receiving. Uh, he had that great game against the, the Patriots in the playoffs. Like, I don't know why he hasn't been able to put it together. And that's kind of my, I've gotten kind of unlucky kind of point. Mm-hmm. Like he's, I feel like he was a, a great prospect. He showed a lot of promise. He had a few like really awesome game. Same way with Parker. Parker had like several hundred yard games in his career prior to last year. He just didn't put it together for a full season. And, and he would get benched and stuff like that. Like there yeah. was it, always in a dog, always in a doghouse. I don't think there's the upside of a wide receiver one for Corey Davis, like he had. Mm-hmm. But I honestly feel like if if I went to somebody trying to sell him, right? They knew okay, he's not high on him. He wants to get rid of him. I could offer him just a complete garbage offer and he could either take it or not. And I feel like what I can get for him right now is not close to what he is actually worth as a prospect. Like not saying he's ever going to be a breakout player, but if he gets a new start somewhere, maybe, I don't know. I, I, I'm not planning on trading him because I feel like this upside and I don't want to just give up. Would you trade him for the 20th pick in this draft? Absolutely not. Okay. All right, uh, next up, uh, Eastern Legends. Uh, uh, forget everything that I said about you. Pretend I was like super nice and, uh, <laughs> you know, well, uh, yeah, what are what, 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 what your thoughts about me? Um, I'm going to be nicer and say unlucky. Oh, nice. Because uh, I'm ugly? Because I was born ugly? What? Where are you going to go? I'm not going to go there. But <laughs> let's, just, let's just speak to what happened last year between Damian Williams and Derrick Henry, how they both kind of just set the fantasy playoffs on fire and you didn't really get to take advantage of that. And 
you, you have a good team. You have a lot of depth. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Always- but, um, I also started, um, uh, what's this? Uh, Devonta Freeman in the, was it the, the championship? He got like three touchdowns or something like that. I'm like, this is it. This is it. This is my time. And yeah. then like all of a sudden Jimmy's team turns on and then just like, ah, it was a bloodbath. Gone. Yeah. Um, I think, I think you've got a lot of depth, which you've always tried to accumulate, but I think we have a, a somewhat different philosophy around depth where I'd rather package guys similar to Christian to get the elite guy. And you'd rather have 10 guys you think could be elite. And then, you know, maybe one or two ends up being elite. Mm-hmm. I think you've got um, a lot of players on defense that anybody would want to have. Same on offense. It's, I don't know. I think you just had some bad beats throughout the league, the years in the league. Um, I think you kind of have also hit somewhat of an inflection point given your, your contract situation. Um, I'm definitely full. The, yeah. The branches are filled out and there's like, it's not like I can trade the third overall pick in this year for like, you know, the seven and 14 and 24. Like I don't have spots for those guys unless I start really just throwing shit at defense. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it's definitely, there are some guys that are going to have to trim over time. And mm-hmm. I like to think that the, the contracts are staggered in such a way of where they're going to fall off the vine as I replace and replenish, that's kind mm-hmm. of the plan anyway. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think you're right. And plus, you've between. I think DK is going to have a, a step forward, but then Stefan Diggs and Keenan Allen are going to take a step back this year, given their situations. Uh, I think it's kind of like a, a, a net, you know, neutral though. Um, you should be the playoff team again. I don't. I don't know. I think you're probably the second best team in the American behind the bros. Second best team in America. Is that what you said? <laughs> in the American behind the bros. <laughs> um, but yeah, it'll be, I mean, honestly, I don't think your team looks much different than it did a few years ago. Like given the, the, the kind of like upside players, the production players, I think you've uh, maintained pretty well. I, th- I think I definitely have a type and this is like a bridesmaid team where like just, just, just good enough to, to, to uh, sniff the show, but, uh, but, but not wearing the white dress. Right. <laughs> um, all right. And lastly, we've got AS Cornudo reigning champ, Jimmy Icavone. What are your thoughts? Word association. What comes to your head? Self-aware. Okay. Uh, I kind of touched on that earlier. I think Jimmy's always had an above average team. He kind of got lucky coming into the league, having that number one pick for Ezekiel Elliott. And obviously he nailed that pick. Um, he's had some bad luck with trades. Uh, he's He's got to kind of decide what he wants to be this year. Do you push all in? I don't think he's that type because um, he does have some decent draft assets this year. I think he probably takes the best player available at each one of his picks in the draft. Then hopes they develop into good players. But if you look at his team, I mean, he's got Michael Thomas, he's got Ezekiel Elliott, and that's really about it. Yeah, I mean Hunter Henry, uh, but Hunter Henry without Philip Rivers. So I mean, they've got Justin Herbert. So like, they're going to be grooming a replacement there. But um, yeah, I mean, you're let's, right. Let's, let's, let's really stop have... on Hunter Henry because 
I think Hunter Henry might be one of the most overhyped fantasy players we've seen in a while because what? over what? his because if you look at his career stats, mm-hmm. he's got he missed a year with an ACL in 2016 his rookie season. He had 478 yards and touchdowns are always fluky. He had eight touchdowns that year. Mm-hmm. His sophomore season he had 579 yards, four touchdowns. Missed his junior season with an ACL. And then last year he had 12 games, 100, 652 yards and five touchdowns. Like that is not great numbers for a tight end. Like those, those are look great at that. numbers if he played a full season. But the 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 rub has been he hasn't stayed healthy. But it, I mean if if you could take 54 yards a game from a tight end over 16 games, like you're talking about 900 some receiving yards. That's outstanding, right? For a tight end, yeah. But a tight end isn't a position that, unless you have like a Gronkowski type, that's going to really affect a matchup. Like you really need that top one or two tight ends, or else you might as well be in that next tier, that fairly flat tier of tight end. Like I don't, I don't see Hunter Henry as a guy who's a true impact maker. Like he's not going to be a Zacharis. He's not going to be a Travis Kelsey. He's just not. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, so my question is. Uh, Jimmy won last year with Hunter Henry, right? Um, Christian, uh, yeah, you did. Yeah, Christian won two years ago with what Jack Doyle, right? Like, but they're winning despite that. They're not winning because of yeah. That. But I I agree. But I'm saying you can you can theoretically win you can, despite you can, having, if you have a great team, you can win with an average to below average tight end, sure. But they're not going to buoy you from an average team to an above average team. Absolutely, it's not going to be a difference maker. It's just going to it's just going to keep you par for the course um, against normal teams. And then you go against a team that has a significant advantage, and then all of a sudden you need to make up the advantage elsewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, so now, I mean, shoot, that was uh, that was a lot. We we really spent a lot of time there, but I mean. You know, we we just got done the draft. We've got to talk about the draft, and we've got to we got to talk consistently. So, I think we should talk about the um, the you know top top players at each position and their overall roles. Um, so, I think that you know I, I said before that uh, I believe that this is a draft loaded with top end talent, and you know those guys that were truly truly elite prospects. You know, they went to to not ideal situations, right? They're like they went to crowded mm-hmm. situations, and then the guys that went to mouth watering type stuff, like those were your 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 second and third tier guys. And that yeah. you know, depending on how how you weigh, you know, talent versus opportunity, like you're talking about a potential flat tier of like the first eight players in the draft or so could be ch- drafted interchangeably. Would you agree with that? I do. Uh, I think what might be good to talk about in this kind of situation is who do you, and you can go first and I'll go second with a different answer. Who do you think gained the most from their draft position? Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Jonathan Taylor, Taylor for sure. Um, And the reason why is, I mean, you know, did he gain hype? You know, I don't know. People were talking about Jonathan Taylor, like the consensus dynasty 101 for the rookie drafts. I wasn't buying it because I didn't buy the type of player he was, um, particularly because I think that Jonathan Taylor is a very specific type of player that can thrive and extremely excel with outstanding blocking. He's not a guy that's going to create for himself, but if you if if the opportunities are created for him, if the door is open for him, he's not going to open the door himself. If the door is open, he is going to run through it at 100 miles an hour. And I think that when you marry Jonathan Taylor's north-south skill set 
instead of that east-west creation stuff in like a zone scheme. If, if you have a north-south running back behind one of the most physically dominant offenses in the NFL, the Indianapolis Colts, everything that I was worried about Jonathan Taylor is, is gone because of the offense he landed in. I think he wasn't as good of, of, of a prospect as DeAndre Swift because you could put DeAndre Swift on any team and he's going to be productive. Jonathan Taylor could have only gone to like three teams in the NFL draft that I would have actually thought that he could have reached this level. He could have gone to the Colts. He could have gone to, um, what, the Packers. And then who else? You know, Are the Chiefs? Uh, oh, sorry. Sorry, not Packers. Uh, Colts, Steelers, and Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure he, he would have really fit with the way that the Chiefs like to, like to run their running backs, but like that is an offense that he could have gone to and been been extremely successful. Yeah, but I think for the the trade off of him being a true workhorse to the amount of like scoring opportunities he would have would be a huge. It would be a, a, a neutral absolute trade off there. So same question back to you: Who do you think gained the most value in the draft? Is I think there's a few other guys you can look at, but I think it's kind of second tier at this point because it's Clyde Edward Soleros, definitely the guy who gained the most value. Um, he goes to a Kansas City team, which everybody in the world is going to point to as the best offense in the league. And now people are going to point to him as a bell cow, which I don't think he necessarily is. And people are going to point to him being next Brian Westbrook and then Andy Reid offense, which I don't necessarily think he is. Yeah. I think he's going to be more of like a souped up James White. Mm-hmm. Where he's going to catch a ton of passes. He's going to have opportunities to score touchdowns. But I don't think I don't think D- Damian Williams is going away. Like they're still going to play him. He's just going to be another weapon they have at their disposal. I completely agree, but I do agree with the the souped up James White because when when you look at that, it's like what would a souped up James White look like in a Kansas City Chiefs offense? Is that a top five running back in fantasy? It might be. Yeah, in terms of, in terms of the ceiling, sure. Yeah, you know, um, so like just because the role isn't necessarily like traditional foundation workhorse the marriage of that uh, of the skill set and the opportunity like you could wind up with absolute fantasy gold there right sure um, now all right so let's shift away from running backs there for a moment and then let's just touch for a second you care if we just point on two more guys that yeah. really gained a ton of value so i think because yeah. actually just a quick hit. yeah so one guy is cam Akers. like he was a guy who was a superstar recruit at a high school who went to florida state right as florida state was kind of like going over the hill and he had three really shitty years in Florida State, but he is an elite talent. Uh, he goes to the Rams in the second round, who have recently gotten rid of Todd Gurley. Now they have a huge hole in their backfield, which I think he has the potential to fill as a three-down back. Will he? I don't know. But he's gained a ton of value. You know, I, I kind of disagree there. And you could probably disagree with Jonathan Taylor, because I think you were probably maybe a little bit higher on him than I was. But uh, mm-hmm. where I would say, where I would disagree with on Cam Akers is, I kind of expected him to go in the second round. Like I thought that he was a consensus second round prospect. And I thought that he went to like a decent opportunity. Like he can start, but I kind of get the idea that, um, you know, Darrell Henderson is not going to be a three down back. I'm pretty darn sure about that. But I think that they want him to be a, like, I think that they want to do definitive, like third down specialist type stuff, like pass catching back versus your, your two down thumper type guy. Uh, I sure. think Akers has more more um, versatility. Like I think he can also help you out in the receiving game. But like, I don't think that that they're just going to ride him three downs. Like, you know, every every series. Like, I I don't think he's a workhorse. Is what I'm saying. I think he's oh, in a good I, situation. I don't think that like I kind of like if I were to flip a, flip the coin, 
I w- it would have been like, yeah, he probably would go in the second round, and he'd probably go to like a team where he's going to be the starter. Like that's just yeah, and I get, I guess the 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 clarification I should make is the guys who have gained the most value, not necessarily the guys who have like improved as players. Like he's just gotten like people have pretty vivid memories of a St. Louis Ram or St. Louis Ram, an LA Rams running back crushing it in the NFL. No, I think it was a St. Louis Rams back when they were yeah. crushing it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, I, yeah, the, the, the Marshall Folk, yeah. But they, people remember how Todd Gurley functioned in that offense, and they're going to think, oh, this is Todd Gurley's replacement because Todd Gurley's no longer there, which isn't necessarily true. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean when he gained the most value. Because a lot of people honestly weren't in mainstream circles like that familiar with Cam Akers prior to the draft. Yeah. No, I mean, I, th- I think you're – he was definitely a guy that a lot of people loved, but kind of you remarked him as like a guy who's going to outperform his draft stock. And it, it yeah. seems like whenever you talk about a guy who's like – you're like, oh, he's going to be better than where he gets drafted or he's going to be a, a steal. Like, everyone thinks he's going to be a steal. So he winds up going, you know, earlier anyway. Yep. Um, do you think that there were any wide receivers who significantly gained value based on their landing position? Definitely. I think Jalen Rager is the first guy you got to look at there. Uh, he lands in Philly. He's kind of, in a lot of ways, what Philly needs. He's got a deep threat ability. He's 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 more of a complete receiver than they have on the roster right now. Um I wasn't super hyped on what the Eagles did in the draft the first two days, uh, but I've kind of come around to Jalen Rager. Uh, just and the main reason I was disappointed was the fairly obvious one where they could have moved Lamb. up with, with yeah, with to Atlanta and gotten Ceedee Lamb, and the Cowboys got him instead, and and that'll always be somebody that Jalen Rager is compared to in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he's a great consolation prize. There's a lot of people high on him that I trust. Um, he didn't have a great statistical season last year. But in terms of what he brings to the table as a player, I think he can really electrify the Eagles offense unlike any player they have currently. Yeah, I I love Jalen Rager. I I'm I bet Jack $20 that they would draft Jalen Rager at that position, which he promptly Venmoed, which I appreciate. Uh I thought he would, I thought Jalen Rager was just a perfect fit for that team where, you know, once CD Lamb was off the board, it was like, yeah, if they keep this pick, they're taking Rager. Just because like he fit such a need and this team needed to get explosive. And, you know, we're not talking about the Sean Jackson type explosiveness. We're talking about like Julio Jones type explosiveness. Now he's not six foot three, 220 pounds, but like he's rocked up proportionally like that. Like he was five foot 10, 205. Now that's like, that is a thick dude. And he plays way bigger than, than he looks like he's a five foot 10 wide receiver that you, that is, you could use in the red zone. Like you can throw jump balls to him. You can throw fades to him in the red zone. He's going to come down to it. Now, if well, I mean, he had crazy testing numbers in terms of burst too. Oh. He had a 42 inch vertical and he had like a 120 inch broad jump. Like he's an explosive dude. Like he can be a red zone weapon that you wouldn't expect from a guy that short, even from a jump ball perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, I think that, you know, like you were saying, you know, he didn't have the production last year. He, he suffered probably the, you know, I think the third third lowest quarterback accuracy from any wide receiver in college football last year. I think only yeah, like thirty percent, yeah, like thirty percent of targets his way were considered accurate. So like, yep. if if you go and you look at like highlights from Jalen Rager from like twenty nineteen, you're gonna see a lot of punt returns, punt returns, yeah. end arounds, you know, bubble screens, like just like the ball in his hands because they couldn't get the ball in his hands. Um, and you're just gonna be like, what? What the hell did we do? We drafted a, a deep threat and a and a punt returner. Like, 
what the hell. But if you go and you look at him from 2018 where they actually had some semblance of competent quarterback play and they could actually use him as a wide receiver, you see like like he checks he checks all the boxes. Uh, I'm a big Jalen Rager fan. He was my wide receiver four um, going into the draft. And, you know, with, with, with the, the way that it worked out, it was like, yeah, he couldn't have gone to a better situation. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's I – think, I think that was tremendous. Um, on the on the on the other side of that, uh, is there a guy you could point to that you thought had a big jump? You know, I was, was going to say Jalen Rager, to be honest. Uh, yeah. So uh, I think you definitely took took the words out of my mouth. Uh, I'd say, who else would have had a, a big jump? Um, no, I mean everyone else is kind of like, I don't. Know. Maybe Michael Pittman, because like you knew Michael Pittman was going to go in the second round, uh, mm-hmm. and you know going to the Colts is like I don't know how much of that is just like me, like like I just can't get over like remembering the Colts. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like the Colts are a great destination. <laughs> Colts are a great destination. I'm like, well, are they? they? Don't have Andrew Luck anymore. You got one year of Philip Rivers, um, mm. but you know I, I do like the selection there of of uh, Michael Pittman. You know what? I think there might be another running back. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn gained a lot of value. Um, I think yeah, I that, that, uh, yeah, the, the, so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers selected Keyshawn Vaughn in the third round. Um, uh, now I don't think that he's going to light the league on fire or anything like that, but he's a good running back. Like I, I compared him to Chris Carson. I think that he's, uh, North South, he's going to get what's there type running back. But I think he, he, I think he also gives you a little bit in, in the passing game that you don't expect, uh, but he's definitely built to handle a load. He's going to have opportunity there. Tim Bay Bucks really just have Ronald Jones, so it's like, yeah. And I'm sorry, Planko, but I don't, I don't think Ronald Jones is is it, bro. I, uh, I, I think he's okay. I, I think you're looking at like a 50-50 backfield there, though. But um, I think if the, if there was a thousand yard rusher on that team, I'd say it was Keyshawn Vaughn, though. Like yeah. if you were to tell me somebody on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers rushed for a thousand yards yeah. this year, I'd go, oh, it wasn't fucking Ronald Jones. <laughs> like well you know ronald jones is actually i think if you look at his like if you extrapolate his like per game stats last year i think he was like he wasn't at a hundred a thousand yards but like he, he he had a better season than you would you would give him credit for because he had some sneaky sneaky play in the second half of last year yeah he wasn't awful but yeah. at the same time like you expected a little more for a guy drafted where From he was. a first round draft pick you you expect a lot more of that for sure all right. Um, now, who do you think lost the most value based on their draft draft position? Hmm. And this is tough because if we're talking running backs, I would probably say DeAndre Swift. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't super high on DeAndre Swift going into the whole draft process, but I think he landed at probably one of the the five to seven worst spots you could land as a running back, um, just given how Detroit historically has handled running backs given that carry on Johnson's already there. It kind of cloudy. It makes it a very cloudy backfield. I don't necessarily agree, uh, buy into that offense in general. And I just don't think he's really a, a three down back. Like that could hold like a workhorse back kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think his landing spot helped his draft stock at all. Uh, but there's a few other guys. The, honestly, there wasn't many, like you said, there weren't many guys who were super high level prospects that landed in ideal roles Mm -hmm. or ideal landing spots so it's tough you could pick a lot of guys and i'd agree with you yeah like uh i mean i i I agree like i I think that deandre swift went to you know i mean i wouldn't say a a bottom five 
landing spot because like I would put like a team with an entrenched starter there in the bottom five. So it was like of the teams that could have drafted a running back in the first two rounds. Yeah, he was a, he was a top five of the of the realistic uh, sorry a bottom five of the realistic options, right? Yeah, uh, but it's not like he didn't go to the Cowboys. Like he didn't go to like you know he, like he didn't go to a team like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, KJ Hamler, KJ Hamler probably went to the worst position um, in the league because like I liked KJ Hamler a lot. I I mean, his draft position shows you that um, teams value him too, but. He went to a Denver Broncos team that already has um, Cortland Sutton and just drafted J- Jerry Judy in the first round. And I kind of think that like the Broncos for Judy isn't like the best landing spot either because you've already, no, you know, like he, he's already going to be operating as a supplemental receiver. And it's like, is Jerry Judy going to be Stefan Diggs? Like, is that, is that really what it's going to be? Is he just going to be like a, like a, a, an outstanding quick route runner that's never going to get peppered with like 140 targets a year. Um, or, you know, I guess 140 sounds about right. Like is, is Jerry Judy ever going to be able to anchor a passing game? Um, maybe he will. Maybe he won't. I still, I still love, love the guy. I love the talent, I love the player. And you can even say the same thing about CD lamb, like CD lamb yeah. going into a, you know, an outstanding passing offense, definitely a more established passing offense than, than the Broncos, but he's going to a team that just dished out shit. How much is, is Amari Cooper getting? Is he getting 20 million a year or something like that? I think he signed a five-year, $100 million deal. Yeah, so so, yeah, so he's going to a team with a 20 million a year wide receiver and a wide receiver two and Michael Gallup that took a tremendous leap forward last year. I think he had a thousand yards. So like- He was close if, if he didn't hit it. Yeah, yeah. Like that is, that's just, that's tough. Yeah. Um, that's very, very tough. And that, that's going to be tough to, to, uh, um, he did, he had 1100 yards last year. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, a lot of mouths to feed. They may be better players and better impact than the actual fantasy production you get. But I just, I always believe that like at some point the talent rises to the top and like, you know, they're going to be good. They're going to be good fantasy players. Like did, did they, did they go into the most mouthwatering of, of circumstances? No, but like they're going to be fine. Yeah, I think that's kind of the the thing you have to point to is that one, just because a guy gets drafted doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be great for fantasy. Like if you look at a guy like Will Fuller, what he provides to the, the Texans offense yeah. is much greater than what he provides to a fantasy offense. And there's a lot of guys that are the opposite where they'll get a ton of points, but they do nothing for their offense. Mm-hmm. And so KJ Hamler is going to do like great Sanders. things for the- yeah, exactly. He's going to do great things for the Denver offense because he's going to make teams have to defend that deep threat yes. all the time he's on the field. Yep. And so that's going to create a lot of one-on-one matchups for Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Um, but another thing is that all those guys you mentioned, they're going into offenses with entrenched number ones that are very young. Yes. It's different than a guy yes. who's 30 years old. Yep. So you can't even project being like, well, in two years, so-and-so is going to be retired or so-and-so is going to be over the hill. Like Cortland Sutton just turned 24. Yeah. Like Murray Cooper just turned 25. Yeah. Like these guys are, well, he's about to turn 26, but they're, they're all in their prime, like entrenched in their prime. So you can't like, you can't necessarily project these leaps and bounds unless they're yeah. transcendent talents. You know, I think, I think the only solace that I really take in this is that it's become such a passing league that like most, if not all offenses in the NFL can sustain two, 
you know, legit fantasy wide receivers. Like it is, it has never been easier to throw for 4,000 yards and you split that up and you get, you know, 1200, this guy, 1200, that guy. And like, you're, you're fine. You know, you're golden. So it's, I don't think it's the death sentence that it once was, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not ideal. It's not ideal. That's for sure. Um, I think one guy who we didn't really touch on gained a ton of value that might not be fully realized with how analysts are projecting, but J.K. Dobbins, man, like he's going to go into that offense and after this year be the clear number one. And he was already a guy I was super high on. But in that in that offense with Lamar Jackson, with a great offensive line, with a great organization in general, with a great defense where they're going to have leads that, you know, they, they get turnovers and get into the red zone off their defense. Like, man, he's going to be a beast. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you. Um, like, I think, it's, I think it's an outstanding fit. Um, and I think that, yeah, it's, it's really easy to look past Mark Ingram, even mm-hmm. as early as, you know, this year, second half. He's 30, year, man. Like He's a 30 year old running back. Yeah. And, you know, Dobbins has some juice to him. Um, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I had him as my RB2 going into the draft. Um, and then if, if you just talk about like the Ohio state offense and the Baltimore Ravens, like how perfect of a fit that is, like both of those offenses are born and bred in the, uh, the RPO. And mm-hmm. Dobbins has significant experience running that, running that, uh, the, those, those types of plays on offense. Like he's, he's going to be able to go and have immediate success in the Ravens. And if you also think that like, you know, with the coronavirus pandemic that we're, that we're experiencing right now and all of these diminished off season activities, like how important fit it's going to be for, for rookies this year, because teams mm-hmm. aren't going to be able to have their hands on, on these players in, in the fashion that they used to. So familiarity and scheme fit are going to be so much more important in rookies this year than they have ever mm-hmm. been in any other year past. Yeah, definitely. And there's just not going to be the same opportunities either for undrafted guys where you can have these like guys who rise up and uh, not saying that most undrafted guys would even have an opportunity to take roles, but under the radar players aren't going to have the same opportunities. You're going to really have to stick by the guys that you came into the offseason having an idea who would be impact players. So I, before we wrap this up, I, I'd be remiss without getting your thoughts on, uh, I guess, two particular quarterbacks that were drafted that were a little bit surprising. Um, so the Green Bay Packers traded up into the first round to select Jordan Love. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jordan Love as a dynasty prospect? And what timeline do you think that we're going to see on him actually getting a chance to, to start some games. So I think the Packers kind of deserved the vitriol, the disdain they've gotten yeah. from the media in terms of who had the worst draft. Like that was just, just so gross. Like to trade up for a quarterback after you had a, a breakout season to get into the NFC championship game, regardless of whether it was a competitive game or not, they had way bigger needs and maybe they had a top 10 grade on Jordan Love. Maybe that's the case, but he's still a developmental guy and you've put him in a situation where Aaron Rodgers is not going to want anything to do with him. Yeah. Rodgers is not going to help help him. Like who's so so you basically created a controversy out of nothing when Rodgers probably had three or four good years left where you really are in your title window. You're paying him a ton of money. I don't understand the, you're trading assets on top of that pick to make that pick. It makes no sense. Like 
there's plenty of good quarterbacks out there if you need a qualified backup. Like you can sign Jameis Winston, like the the, the Saints are about to for five million dollars for one year if you really need a backup, which isn't what the the role of drafting him is. But at the same time, like he is a huge gamble. Like on on the top end, if he hits, he could be Patrick Mahomes light. If he doesn't hit, he's going to be out of the league in three years. So you realize you just called him Patrick Mahomes light. That guarantees he's going to be drafted in our in our draft upcoming. You realize that? I mean, that's fine. I mean, if you're going to draft him, you have to be prepared to have a Jimmy Garoppolo like asset on your team for a couple of years where he's not going to get any stats. Yeah. Like if you sign him to a five year deal, you're, you're you have eating an a bench anchor for, for, for years. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense to draft him. If you want to draft him, you're just helping out the people behind you. And that brings us uh, easily into our our last and I think final uh, discussion for for this episode. Um, Philadelphia Eagles select Jalen Hurts in the second round of fifty third overall. Uh, they've got Carson Wentz there. Carson hasn't hasn't been able to stay healthy uh, in the past three years. I think I think he's he's finished the, the season's on his back. Um, what are your thoughts of this of this selection now that the dust has settled and you've been able to collect your thoughts a little bit? Do you hate it as much as you did, as you did from the first day? <laughs> so I don't think I could possibly hate it more than I did in the moment. <laughs> okay. Given what was on the board and given curveball. that like, well, like at pick like 48, I think they had Trevon Diggs, Christian Fulton, and Jalen Johnson available to them at corner. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, they're going to take a corner. Like we need a corner badly whatever Jalen Johnson goes to the bears, Trevon Diggs goes to the Cowboys and hats off to the Cowboys who had a great draft. And then it comes to us and we still have Christian Fulton on the board. We still have a few guys that I really like and they take Jalen hurts. And I had talked to you previously about how I do like Jalen hurts. Like I don't dislike him as a prospect. I think he's got a lot more upside than people are giving him credit for. You saw what he did when an offense really let him loose in Oklahoma this year. But I think value wise for the Eagles, like, you have to you have to put him in positions to be more than a backup if you're going to take him there. Yeah. Given the title window that they're in, given how many needs they have on their team, you can't just take a quarterback in the second round so, unless you plan on using him outside of a backup role. If the Eagles use Jalen Hurts in a Taysom Hill-type role, would you be happy with the selection? I want to throw a question at you. How many... Pass attempts, do you think Taysom Hill has in his NFL career? Passing attempts? Yes. In his career? Yep. 12. 13. Okay. And he's got a lot more rushing attempts, he's got but rushing at the same attempts, time... He's got receptions. Yeah. So you really need to just have a massive, supersized kind of Taysom Hill role for him, which he's not as good of an athlete as Taysom Hill is. Yep. Like, people probably think because he's black... He's probably a better athlete than Taysom Hill. Like Taysom Hill ran in like the four threes at his pro day. Like Jalen Hurts is a good athlete. He's not a Taysom Hill athlete. So you have to really be creative with how you're going to use him. You have to have him as a decoy on the field. You have to have a threat of some sort of pass back where like you have to cover two sides. Like you have to be very creative to get the maximum output out of him as a, as a secondary piece, not as a backup. So I hope they have that. I don't fully trust that they do. So here's my question regarding Carson Wentz, because, you know, Carson Wentz is a big athletic quarterback. And Mm -hmm. it seems seems counterintuitive because a guy who's big and athletic should mean that he's big enough to to take a beating and he's athletic enough to run away from defenders. But usually what it actually winds up meeting in practice is a guy who throws his body around in – 
at a level that he doesn't need to and endangers his health and availability for his team. Um, yeah. Do you, I think you have to look at guys like Cam Newton and Ben Roethlisberger to kind of and, see that. And Andrew, Andrew Luck. Like, I mean, Andrew Luck, yeah. You know, it's, it is that mold. And, you know, you know, all these guys, they're all similar, similar metrics. They're all beef beefed up. Um, but they all, they all generally hold on the ball too long and try to make too many plays with their legs. Like they, they get dinged. Um, do you think that if you're, if you're going to, if you're going to have a guy like Carson Wentz be your starter, that you also have to make a significant investment in a backup quarterback. I don't disagree with that, but given what is available in free agency, and I get that it would cost more money, mm-hmm. I don't think you need to sign. I don't think you need to draft a guy like Jalen Hurts. But like either way, if you sign Jameis Winston or if you sign Cam Newton, or Cam Newton probably wouldn't sign with us. Let's be real, yeah, because he's looking for a starter role. I, but, Cam Newton is going to fracture locker rooms because players in the league love Cam Newton. Players in the league yeah. have seen Cam Newton go to a Super Bowl. They've seen him win an MVP. Like as soon as the first sign of struggle with an entrenched starter happens, like there's going to be whispers of like, you know, get this guy out. Like Alshon Jeffrey is going to want Cam Newton in there if 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 uh, Alshon's still on the team anyway. You know? uh, but but that, I think this situation creates a very similar kind of dynamic where people are. People in Philly always pine for the backup. Yeah. And so if Carson has a couple bad games in a row, like people are going to be like, Jalen Hurt, he was so good at Alabama. He won a national title. He got us the album to the playoffs. He was so he was 40-2 and two as a starter. Why are we not playing him? And I say <laughs> Jalen Hurt because Philly uh, fans always fuck up last night. Yeah, they, they, they always add or drop an S at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's so interesting. I'm very curious to see how it's all going to work out for him. Do you think that Jalen Hurts gets drafted in our elite rookie draft? Hmm. Maybe Nick Henry. Because he never knows who's available in the third or doesn't know any names. Maybe he just like goes and, and uh, handcuffs his quarterback. I don't think so. <laughs> I think he's good enough of a player to, that he should be drafted in the rookie draft, mm-hmm. but I don't, I wouldn't. I would not draft him because I'm looking for production out of quarterbacks. I want three guys on my team who are in play. Do you think that he wanna... gets drafted whether or not you draft him or not? I think he's probably one of the last picks in the third round. Yeah. So I think for sure Nick Henry somehow trades into a pick and takes Joe Hurts. It's just like, it's going to happen. It's bound to happen. I've, I've already made peace with it. Uh, or Jeff Wilson trades with the anticipation to trade him to Nick Henry. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Always work at the angles. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, this was a long one, and I appreciate you guys, um, you guys uh, coming along for the for the ride. And uh, you know, what else are you gonna do? There's nothing to do right now. Listen to yeah, us. Come on, let's be real. Yeah. You probably wanted more content out yeah. of this. Why'd you only go with my team for two minutes? You guys fucking love this. Don't even pretend like you didn't. Thank you, Mike, for coming and joining on the, on this podcast. Um, I think I think you did. Uh, this was this was great. We covered a lot of great stuff. Um, thank you again to for Nick Henry for the, for that great message. And um, all right, guys. Yeah, uh, that's it for this one. Uh, congratulations on watching uh, this twenty twenty NFL draft. Uh, we'll have more information coming out, planning our own rookie draft and free agent auction coming up. Uh, and yeah, take it easy, guys. All right. See you guys. Thanks a lot.